My name is John Cameron, and on behalf of the Tech Connect team, uh, certainly myself, uh, Ryan Ellis, and uh, Kelly Phillips, and Ryan is the uh, has got the control buttons over there. So if you have particular questions you do want to ask, you can at the bottom of your screen hit chat. Hey, Mark, and uh, sorry, can I, I hate to interrupt. I did something, and now I don't know how to get back. I uh, I don't see. Like, I know I'm on the Zoom call with you guys, but I don't see you anymore. Okay. But we can see you. Okay, so. <laughs> we can so see I you. I only see a tiny little we'll square, like a mm -hmm. tiny little square, in the, and, that, and that's it. Like, um, and it's just, and it's just me and nobody else. So I, I, I don't, how did you? Can you go to full screen, Megan? It's up in the corner, in the left corner, there should be a full screen view. Uh, you you have uh, tabs. Uh, you you have one line, two lines, four four squares. So it depends how it presents. No, it just says mute, and then three little dots next to mute. It gives me stop video, mute my audio, pin video, rename, hide self view. If right on the try the top right corner. Or or if you exit and come I am back. so sorry. Look what I've done. I've ruined your call already. <laughs> That's oh, okay. Can you, I, mean, uh, I, I got, okay, here's the thing. I got the bar back at the top. I just don't have the full screen, but that's fine. I got, okay. I got a bar so I can see six people at a time. Totally fine. Okay. So I have two now and all of a sudden it just changed without me doing anything. Yeah. You can't see me anymore? I can see you. You're okay. you. It's okay. You're fine. Okay. I'm so sorry. I won't interrupt again. I apologize. I no, got stuck there. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no problem whatsoever. Good uh, thing I'm on a phone with a bunch of techies. <laughs> uh, Not sure again, that helps. <laughs> again, I'll, I'll emphasize uh, on behalf of the Tech Connect team, uh, please welcome to everybody. And I'd like to certainly extend a very uh, special welcome to our two guests, Megan McCall uh, Wayne, who is the Vice President General Manager with the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, and Susanna Clough. Uh, Clyburn, correct, uh, who's the Senior Director of Parliamentary Affairs and also has the uh, SME file, so both from the Canadian uh, Chamber of Commerce, so welcome. Uh, a couple of quick things, uh, as I mentioned, if you have any particular questions, uh, you're able to hit the chat button at the bottom and type it in. It'll typically go to Ryan, and Ryan, you can kind of raise some of the questions at the end. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that uh, know Tech Connect and for those of you that don't, I just want to kind of reiterate, uh, Tech Connect is very much of a, a member-driven association, and it's it's comprised of uh, technology companies, technology service providers, and uh, companies that use technology to drive their business. Uh, we've had a 38-year existence, and over that 38 years, we have built what I think is a very strong collaborative community. And it's a community where our members really share with each other. They learn from each other. They support each other. And, and uh, they, you know, they're all about helping them navigate through a lot of the roadblocks and challenges of, of growing their business. Uh, what we do is we provide professional and business skills development programs uh, along with business networking opportunities all through our uh, monthly scheduled peer groups, our lunch and learn programs, our social networks. I encourage all of you to uh, take the opportunity to look at our website, www.techconnect.ca, where you'll see a schedule of all of our peer groups, which we've moved to online. 
uh, our various programs. Also, you'll see a significant series of webcasts or rather podcast programs that we have developed. And we have a news and uh, resource section to help organizations get insights into uh, other avenues to help them with their business. So yet again, thank you very much for being here. Okay. Uh, what I'll do at this point is I will turn it over to uh, Barry Furhurst who is a, a past uh, board chair. He's also uh, the president and CEO of F2 Technologies. Uh, <laughs> for today, as he's been doing for the last four years. So Barry, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, well, welcome everybody. Um, thanks for showing up in this, uh, I guess, mid-month uh, meeting with the current things we have going on around us. Um, just a couple of points that was John mentioning as far as uh, uh, Megan and Suzanne have been nice enough to join us today to talk about, uh, to give us a general idea on the programs that are out there, but more, not the specifics on the execution of the programs or how to apply and so on and so forth. We have people like Jerry Anderson on that can help us with uh, with those type of details. But just what they're hearing, what they're seeing in Ottawa, what they're hearing in Ottawa, the parliamentary position, position on things as well as some of the member uh, feedback that they're getting from the Ch Canadian Chamber of Commerce, what they're hearing. So that'll, I think, Megan, that'll be about 2025. Um, if I could ask folks while we're going through this, one of the things, housekeeping things, is to mute everybody unless you have a question. That way we're, we won't be getting uh, the feedback from, uh, you know, the ambient noise in everybody's, uh, everybody's location. So. Uh, with that, I'm going to hand it over to uh, to Megan and Susanna, and um, then we'll have uh, our standard Q&A. Megan, I think you need an exit around 9.30. You need a hard out at 9.30, I think. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, so anytime before then, just, you know, just wave your hand and say goodbye, and uh, we'll probably continue on until I think we adjourn around 10 o'clock today. So. Uh, okay, perfect. So I'll, I, yeah. Hand, hand it over to you. Okay, I'm gonna do the best I, I, I can here. As I said, I can only see the six spaces on the top. So when someone's speaking, I can't, I can't see who's speaking, um, but I will uh, try to you know, figure that out. Anyways, but um, yes, uh, thank you so much for having us uh, today, Susanna and I. Um, uh, as he said, I'm Vice President and General Manager of the Canadian Chamber of Commerce. I work out of the Toronto office. Uh, Susanna works out of uh, the Ottawa office. Uh, we have an office in Montreal and also uh, in Calgary. So um, we're a, a national organization. It's actually interesting. A lot of times when I go out, people say to me, well, what's the difference between the Ontario Chamber and the Canadian Chamber? And I, <laughs> I give them the very uh, you know, direct uh, uh, answer. It's the Ontario Chamber uh, lobbies on behalf of businesses to um, the provincial government, and we lobby on behalf of businesses to the federal government. So um, we represent people from uh, all across the country, uh, different sectors, uh, uh, small uh, to medium size to large corporations. Uh, we, we represent all kinds of businesses across the country. Um, we also work with all the, many of the chambers, I'd say most of the chambers are, are members of the Canadian Chamber of Commerce. So we work in conjunction also with the local chambers, associations as well. And then, um, so normally, and I, I'm just, I say normally, because if I speak briefly prior to COVID, um, people joined, uh, companies joined the chamber to uh, get involved in activities such as we have advisory committees. And so we have different policy directors that specialize in different subjects, whether that be um, the cannabis industry or um, supply chain issues or uh, temporary foreign workers or et cetera. 
So we have, um, we would have advisory committees on, on very uh, different subjects. And we also carry on a lot of events. We just recently uh, in February had the Canada 360 summit, which went over very well. Um, it was a sold out uh, conference in Toronto and, uh, and, and the issues that were dealt with, the panel discussions, et cetera, are on a, on a federal uh, scale. So um, normally, yes, we have advisory committees and events and people get involved in that way. And it's a great networking opportunity. Then COVID happened and us, like everybody else, had to look at the organization and say what works now and what doesn't. Because you know, events weren't working anymore. You, can't, you couldn't get together. Well, what were you going to do? So what does this look like? Well, we were very, we took this responsibility very seriously. We, we, um, we uh, uh, formed a relationship with the government to uh, provide support, biz, uh, support uh, in terms of uh, information, resources, products, um, anything that can help businesses through COVID-19 uh, during this period, as I say, weather the storm and through recovery afterwards. And what does that look like? And so, you know, we, we're taking this mandate very seriously and the responsibility very seriously to not only represent our members during this time, but non-members. So anything that the Canadian Chamber is doing right now is actually open as well to non-members to participate in. So some of the things um, uh, we're doing uh, are virtual roundtables, which is similar to exactly what we're doing now. So uh, video conference calls where uh, maybe 300 companies will dial in and, and uh, talk about the, the issues to do with uh, supply chain. I mentioned supply chain, it's been a very hot topic as you can imagine. So, um, you know, uh, Mark Agnew is one of our policy directors who handles that. And so he'll do a weekly call. We're also doing webinars. Um, we're also uh, doing blog posts. And, uh, and actually, most recently, it launched last Monday. Uh, Trudeau made an announcement last Monday in his uh, daily briefing uh, that um, they were going to be working with the Canadian Chamber of Commerce and the launch of the Canadian Business Resilience Network. So the Canadian Business Resilience Network is a network of companies that have come together that, that have exactly what I said. They have to have some sort of um, resources or products or support in some capacity for people during COVID-19. So they come together on our micro site at cbrn.ca. That's the initiative during COVID. And you can see at the bottom all the companies that are participating. And, and um, those companies could be people like RBC or Grant Thornton or Canada Life. And they talk on different subjects that people might be very interested in. Actually, I particularly wanted to mention it because, uh, and I can send you guys the, um, the list of buckets of topics that we're talking about during this time. But we just added three new topics this week, which were energy, retail, and tech. So, <laughs> so I will be sure to invite you guys, make sure you all get the invitations to our tech virtual roundtables and webinars and anything in, in regards to tech. But all of those services you guys can participate in. So I can get you on our COVID-19 newsletter. You can find out what's going on every, the newsletter goes out every day that tells you exactly what's going on at the chamber, what support there is to offer, how you can get involved, um, you know, any updates on, um, uh, you know, I'm sure, uh, any updates on you know key policy issues or uh, you know Susanna can expand expand more on that. But the the, the COVID nineteen uh, chamber newsletter is, is a really great resource to, um, to to see what's going on every single day. So um, I don't know if I is that about right, Susanna? Did I cover everything that I wanted we wanted to do as a as a I general? So. Okay, I can't see you, so I'm, I'm actually looking somewhere. On the, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not in the sphere. 
Yeah, I'm nodding, Megan, so everything's good. Okay, good. Okay, so I think, um, but really I wanted Susanna here, because as I said, she's Senior uh, dr uh, Policy Director um, for Parliamentary Affairs and works a lot with, with SMEs and is sort of on the, on the, on the, on the front lines of policy, uh, you know, with the, with the government. And so uh, she really uh, can answer all the uh, particular nitty-gritty questions. But really I wanted you guys to understand, all of you, that the chamber right now is an open door we are happy to give you any of the information and support uh, we can, and uh, please do not hesitate to participate in any uh, of the services uh, or events we have we have going on during this time. And I can, um, if I get all your email addresses, I can make sure to, to keep you updated. So Susanna, I will take, uh, let you, uh, does anybody have any questions about the CBRN or the chamber in general before Susanna takes over? I'm going to assume not then. <laughs> yeah, I don't right now. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks. I said I'm flying a little blind here. So, um, okay. So, Susanna, um, I will pass it over to you. Great. Thanks, Megan. And, and thanks very much for the invitation to be with you this morning. Um, uh, as Megan mentioned, we're, uh, we're uh, joining forces with uh, all kinds of organizations uh, that we, uh, we don't normally uh, join forces with. And... Uh, but it's uh, it's uh, it's really we're all in this together, and and so we welcome this opportunity. Um, so uh, just just to uh, go back a little bit on um, on sort of how we came to uh, the scenario that that Megan has uh, has uh, uh, laid out for you. Um, our CEO is Perrin Beatty, uh, who I'm sure many of you have heard of before, and uh, Perrin. Um, was very, very um, much seized with the potential for COVID-19 to become a big economic issue way before anybody else, including the staff at the Canadian Chamber, was seized with it. Perrin was the CEO of Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters uh, during the uh, SARS outbreak um, in the early 2000s and uh, remembered the devastating impact that it had on his membership. And Perrin quite rightly characterized uh, something like a, a, a healthcare crisis, uh, like SARS, and now uh, what we're living through uh, with COVID-19 as being something of particular threat to small and medium entrepreneurs. And so uh, we were uh, in on this very early, talking to the government, uh, the Department of uh, Innovation Science and Industry back at the end of January, on starting to put together tools for small and medium businesses who we uh, knew would be the hardest hit if this, uh, if this came to be the way that, uh, that it, it, it looked like it might. And I think it's, it's actually surpassed uh, the worst case scenario that any of us had ever envisioned. So right now, um, uh, as Megan mentioned, we have joined forces with organizations that would normally be our quote unquote competitors, Canadian Federation of Independent Business, the Business Council of Canada, um, the Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters, uh, Canadian Council of Aboriginal Businesses is, is part of our sort of core group of, uh, of lead associations. And um, uh, back uh, early March, actually the day that the Prime Minister's wife was uh, diagnosed with COVID-19, uh, Perrin was on the phone with uh, the Prime Minister um, uh, you know, again, it was, it was a bit of a slog on our part to try and demonstrate the seriousness to the economy of this at, at, at what the time was uh, a healthcare crisis. And during that week, uh, that, er, that first week of March, I think every, the, 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 uh, 
all the pieces of the puzzle started to come together for the government. Christian Freeland was, uh, who's deputy prime minister, was appointed to lead this cabinet committee focused on COVID-19. And I think a big wake-up call for the prime minister himself was when his wife was, uh, was diagnosed. So circle forward to now, um, sort of, uh, we've, we've, you know, we're doing all the things that, that Megan has, uh, has mentioned. Uh, we're also doing some uh, workshop type webinars for small and medium entrepreneurs. This week, I hosted one on e-commerce with uh, Shopify, which is a member of ours. Uh, a lot of businesses that might not have thought of e-commerce as, as a business model for them are sure thinking about it now. And so uh, we're doing one next week with another member of ours, Freightcom, uh, on how you know, to get uh, your product, assuming you're still in business, how to get your, your products either out the door to customers or uh, into you as part of your supply chain. So I know that, uh, John, you'd wanted me to focus a little bit on what we're hearing about recovery. So right now, we're very much in the crisis mode, crisis stage of this. But that's not to say that talk of um, how we plan our way out of this isn't happening. And um, I think uh, your note to Megan and myself had talked about how we're preparing or how the, what, what we're hearing from government about the, about the new normal. And I think that's just exactly the way to term this. Uh, people have been talking, I think, up until a few days ago about returning to normal. Um, normal, I don't think, is ever going to be the same for any of us again. Um, and uh, so that we're starting to hear some, uh, some talk from the government. Um, obviously, it's too soon to start talking about, to, to actually start opening up the economy. But it's definitely the right, the right time to start planning for opening up the, um, the economy. Um, while the government is starting to make noises uh, you know, about, uh, about looking ahead to recovery, I'm sure you've all read uh, in the Globe and, and other media um, that uh, Infrastructure Minister McKenna is reaching out to people who took Canada through the 2008-2009 uh, recession, Mark Carney, Kevin Page, John Baird, to take a look at how uh, infrastructure funding can be used to kickstart the economy. Um, we feel that the government is, um, is not seized with how long uh, it's going to take to get all the moving parts of the economy back into action. Uh, our our uh, VP policy and uh, chief economist Trevin Stratton and I were in a conversation with some business people from Manitoba yesterday. One of them owns a trucking company that operates on both sides of the Canada-US border. And he was saying that uh, once, even once we go back into full open mode uh, in terms of economic uh, uh, operation, it's going to take him and he believes others a good six months to get back to where they were once the, the shutdown began. So I really don't think that the government is seized with that. And that's a big concern because while the government's got to be given a lot of credit for being quick out the gate with support programs, both for individuals and for businesses, we're seeing now the, the, the constant um, tweaking that has to go on and adjustment because they're not, they haven't involved business in uh, crafting these programs. So a, a prime example would have been the um, business credit accessibility programs that were introduced very, very early on in the crisis, delivered through Export Development Canada, Business Development Canada, um, and uh, a few days later through Farm Credit Corporation to farmers. Um, it was only open to uh, 
existing clients of those crown corps, which was ridiculous. Um, so now, you know, they, they've now complemented that with the um, Canada Emergency Business Account, uh, which is now being delivered through financial institutions. Initially, it was delivered only through uh, private sector banks. Well, of course, uh, they've now, they've now, at the urging of the business community, added credit unions. We're still advocating that they add um, alternative financial institutions, which a lot of um, entrepreneurs look to. Uh, a particular example is the cannabis industry look to for financing. So again, um, there's this constant, you know, needing to adjust back and forth, which we feel could have been alleviated if government had reached out to the business community at the get-go and asked for our opinion. Another example would be the 10% uh, wage subsidy, which was the initial proposal early on, obviously completely insufficient. Um, it's now been replaced with a 75% wage subsidy, but unfortunately that's not going to be uh, delivered until early May, which is ridiculously slow. The portal we learned this morning is going to be open on the 27th of April and funds should actually be starting to flow out to businesses by the 2nd of May. Unfortunately, the reality is, is a lot of the companies that really need this help aren't gonna be around anymore to get it. So looking at forward at, at, at recovery, we're starting to make um, uh, 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 outreach to the uh, federal government to say, listen, bring us in on the ground floor, bring, in, you know, bring NGOs in on the ground floor and uh, chances are, that uh, the planning for recovery will go a lot more smoothly without this backing and forcing. So quick has been very good, but uh, unfortunately it's come at the cost of having to totally adjust programs, you know, almost on a, on a weekly basis, a program is adjusted or tweaked because they realize, oh my goodness, we've missed this particular, um, uh, this particular uh, sector of the business community. Um, for the individual uh, support programs, things have gone really smoothly. Uh, the community, um, sorry, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, I think blew everybody's mind in terms of how quickly it was delivered, how efficiently it's being delivered, and uh, we're shaking our heads and trying to figure out why that can't be done for programs like the, uh, the emergency wage, wage subsidy. Um, so as we look ahead at other, uh, at recovery, some of the messages that we're communicating to the federal government is, as I mentioned before, get business involved, get the NGOs involved, uh, look at what other countries are doing. As, as we know, Europe is starting to open up uh, a little bit, uh, look at what's going well, look at what's not going well, and, um, and use you know, some of those lessons as, as models for ourselves as we start to plan forward to our recovery. Um, get out there early and, and, and make it clear to, to the business community you know, what is going to be acceptable, what's going to be, you know, phase one in terms of operations two and three, get that out early so that everybody knows where they stand in terms of, of starting to open up the economy again. Um, I think a critical piece of this is going to be, and we've, we've seen this through uh, the designation of what essential businesses are and what are non-essential and have been ordered to close, there needs to be uh, federal, provincial and territorial alignment or as much as possible alignment on core principles, not necessarily on timing because everybody is at a different stage in this pandemic, but on core principles of what is an essential business operation, et cetera. And I think what's gonna be really key to this um, is that um, they're going to have to have in that uh, planning uh, strategy, 
uh, how to ramp down support programs for individuals and businesses. Uh, the two are very much intertwined. We've been hearing from some of our members that uh, workers are quitting because uh, they can get the CERB and stay home. So we want to start, you know, ramping that kind of thing uh, issue down as quickly as possible so that businesses can get uh, can get up and running again. And of course, uh, the whole global su uh, supply chain needs to be uh, needs to be reestablished, and and that is going to take some time. So I'm going to stop there. Uh, I was going to chat a little bit about what S what we're hearing from our members in terms of how they're responding to what's being. Uh, you know, announced so far what gaps there are, but I can stop there if you have any questions before I go any further. Okay, I'll take that as there are no questions. No, no, so sorry, Susanna, there's a, there's a little chat box, Susanna, at the bottom. Do you see a little box that says chat? Oh, hold on just a second. No, I don't. One second. Okay. At the, at the oh, bottom, okay. and then all the questions are listed there. Oh. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, Cholton, you, uh, you, can, you can, if you want to unmute yourself and ask a question. Sure. Uh, so <clears throat> I believe I understand that uh, prior to COVID-19, there were approximately 1.4 million businesses operating in Canada. I think 54% of them were from one to four staff. Do we have any idea at this point? I've seen different numbers and I was wondering, does the government have any idea? Do we have any idea how many of these businesses are not operating at all at this point? Yeah, we do, Jeff. And uh, last week, actually, I appeared before the uh, House Finance Committee with uh, Dan Kelly of the CFIB. And uh, they have been uh, doing four surveys every weekend of their membership. And uh, Dan said that at that point, so this is a week ago yesterday, that uh, only 20% of, uh, of small businesses in Canada are actually still fully operational. Oh. Now we're we're in the field right now. We've uh, cooperated with Statistics Canada, and uh, we've got uh, a survey in the field right now the, that closes next Friday. And actually, um, I can follow up uh, after this with the link to that survey. I would encourage you all to uh, to take the opportunity to, to you know provide your perspectives uh, on the state of business in this in this uh, situation. So we'll have more up to date data probably more towards. Uh, the end of the month, but this is how things stood as of last Thursday. Right. So, Suzanne, are you hearing from the feds that they are taking a much longer view? I mean, one of the challenges that tech has that's, in, that's different than retail or some other cash closer um, businesses is oftentimes we have a long sales cycle and then we had to do a supplier lead time, say to 12, 16 weeks. And oftentimes once the project has been implemented or executed on, then there's usually a sign off period and that can be 60, 90 days. So it's very likely that once you um, start an initiative or once you even get a contract, you're not seeing revenue for another six to nine months. Now, when the revenue is constantly rolling in, you're, you know, you're managing that cash flow and you're managing that cycle everybody does it a little differently. But now that it's come to a full stop, in my company, we deal with major broadcasters. So it's Rogers and Bells. And, you know, they're the blue chip. And they've even stopped issuing purchase orders until, they, um, until they've gone through their COVID uh, SWOT analysis, if you will. So are you, are you hearing for businesses, they're 
you know, the government is taking, I know they have the $40,000 loan uh, for December, 2021. Um, and that's great, but it's really a drop in a bucket when you're dealing with, you know, seven, eight figure contracts. Is there, is there anything they're looking at uh, with regards to a much longer um, plan to help tech companies? At this point, I would say no. Uh, but uh, I mean, we're still very much in the house is burning mode as far as the government right. is concerned. So, um, uh, but that's not to say that it won't come. And it's not to say that this isn't the time to start having those discussions. Uh, we're start, as I said, we are starting it. So um, if there are particular issues that, you know, from a tech perspective that the government needs to be mindful of, and I'm very conscious of the, uh, the lag, of course, between, you know, these are not, uh, you know, we're not talking about bar sales here. We're talking right. about longer term. So, um, yeah, we, we would really appreciate that type of, um, of, uh, of input because the ears are starting to open. Uh, things are settling down a little bit. As I said, they're, you know, they're, they're still putting out, uh, putting out flash, flash fires. But um, so this is definitely the time to start putting those, those thoughts into, into the government's mind. I mean, you look at the infrastructure um, uh, initiative by Minister McKenna, which is great. Uh, but the problem is, is that, you know, you know, they talk the, 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 the term is, you know, we need to find shovel ready products, uh, sorry, projects. And uh, you need people actually to lift those, you know, to be working those shovels. And uh, we're just not convinced that there's going to be that many people, you know, around to do that because everybody will have gone off and done other stuff. So uh, absolutely, um, that, that input would be very, very good. And I think if this is the kind of thing, this is not going to happen fast. And uh, I think you will see a willingness on the part of government, as we've seen to date, to adjust as the reality of the situation becomes more and more evident. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of these major, a lot of these larger companies have downsized over the last couple of years, and which has fostered, you know, companies like myself, where we become specialized. So companies, you know, the broadcasters will call us in, even if we're dealing with the CRTC on issues. The big thing is rollout. You know, 5G is a is a big thing right now, but all those projects have stopped, and we all have to move over to 5G. Um, That's right. And it's really it's it's, it's concerning sometimes because um, there's this air gap sometimes between you know Ottawa and uh, and you know, ourselves. So I'm glad to hear. So the roundtable, the tech roundtable that uh, Megan, you spoke of, the CR uh, CBRM, is that the type of is that the type of roundtable where we could ask those type of questions? Is that where we get involved, or is it more that we just sit back and listen to the talk, uh, the speakers? Okay, so the so uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's two parts to that. So <laughs> so um, the chamber is is offering these what we call them virtual roundtables on different subjects, and one of them is going to be tech. And yes, anybody can we can send you the invite. You can dial into that call. As I said, it's just like we're doing now. And certainly uh, the hosts of that call would be the, the policy director that's assigned uh, or that, that, that whose forte is, uh, you know, in, in that, in, that uh, in tech. And then also um, we usually have uh, one of our CBRN companies. So, so a company that's involved with the CBRN will participate. And so they're sponsoring, they'll sponsor that call, you know, okay. and, and help participate, et cetera. But how it works is, um, you know, the calls are about an hour. And really, there's uh, an, you know openings, uh, opening remarks for about four or five minutes on some of the key issues and really what they want to address during that call. 
And then it opens up to about 50, 55 minutes of, uh, of Q&A. It's, it's an interactive oh, uh, sort of conversation. So it's certainly an opportunity for you to call in and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I think that this is a really important issue. We should talk about this, or I've got some insight on that, et cetera. So they're, they're, uh, I just answered that because they're a bit two different things. So the, because the, the, the chamber has our, our, our COVID-19 um, activities and events that are going on. Uh, and, the, and the CBRN is, is a network of companies that are, are bringing knowledge or tools or products or, okay. or, or research to the table that, that helps people. Um, as I said, it's COVID-19. Uh, related. Uh, a good example. Okay, so here is a good example. We did one. Um, I told you supply chain was a, a popular topic. Uh, we had a virtual roundtable on uh, focusing on cargo. And so, um, you know, Air Canada has a lot to say about cargo. So, <laughs> you know, they, they've retooled some of their planes and they're, you know, so, um, you know, that, that session, that one hour session on cargo was hosted uh, by Mark Agnew, the policy director, and John Tory of Air Canada. And, and they sort of moderated the discussion. Okay, all right. Um, <clears throat> sorry, Susanna, it's Maureen. I think Hi. both Stephen and I had a sort of similar question, just to go back to your comment about 20%, um, only 20% say they're operational. My question was, what does fully operational defined as? Because that number seems really low. And Stephen's yeah. question was, what is the definition of small business where 20% are not operating? Yeah, so in terms of, um, now we have to keep in mind that the CFIB's constituency, uh, while everybody thinks it, you know, it's, it's in, intuitive to think of it as small business, it's the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. So you could be a privately owned company and still be part of the CFIB and be big. So, but it is primarily uh, the, uh, the Main Street um, uh, small business. Um, so that's a really good question. Now, we have been using the definition of small and medium business that is used by the federal government because that's really who we're here to serve uh, our members' uh, interests with. And uh, so that is, uh, they, they, uh, the federal government defines a small or medium business. A small business is 99 or fewer employees, and a uh, medium business is 499 and fewer employees. So that is how we've been defining it. In terms of how the CFIB defines it, um, I think they're defining it in terms of their overall membership, which is about 110,000 um, small, primarily small businesses throughout the country. And so they're saying of those 110, 20 only 20% yeah. are fully operational. That's what their surveys are telling them, yeah. So would that definition of fully operational mean... I haven't done any layoffs. I haven't lost any revenue. I mean, I just wonder if you have a sense of what they're terming fully operational. That would be my sense of it, uh, that they haven't been affected by the, um, by the, you know, the, 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 the crisis. They haven't been ordered to shut down. Uh, they haven't been, um, they haven't been, you know, they could, they're not partially operating. They're fully up and running. Okay, Stephen, did I capture what you wanted there or I can let you unmute? Uh, okay, thanks. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. I can't see that I've done, I've, all I can see is Zoom in the middle of my screen and, who, and Maureen, I can see you because you're talking, but that's all I can see. So I can't see the questions, I apologize. Down on the menu bar at the bottom of the screen, usually there's, we're muted, there's, there's a little, oh, you haven't got that menu bar. I've got the help button. <laughs> that's about it. Um, 
I can I can see all the questions. So I'm just asking people to um, once there's a pause, just to go through and ask the question, or I can come on and jump on and just ask the question for that person. So I'm monitoring. There's actually no questions at this particular. Time. Hey, um, can I ask? Uh, yeah. I just have one question. You had mentioned earlier that you've had a number of webinars related to uh, helping companies navigate through. Uh, some of the different ways of doing business. Yeah. Are, are, those, are those webinars open to everybody or is it just exclusive to Canadian uh, Chamber members? No, no, and that was one of the, as Megan uh, mentioned yeah. earlier, that was one of the, um, the reasons that uh, the, the federal government actually uh, established this, uh, this statement of work with us uh, is because we said that we would, for the purposes of this particular crisis, we were open to one and all. So no, you're uh, definitely, um, you would definitely be open to it. The only restriction that we have is that our uh, we use LifeSize, which is our, our web uh, web uh, conferencing platform. Its capacity is 300. So what we've been doing is we've been recording the webinars and then posting them on the CBRN website. Okay, thank you. Um, I did put my email address in the in the side chat. So if uh, I just entered it there now, so if anybody. Uh, you know, as I said, wants to be added to our daily newsletter, wants invitations to, uh, you know, uh, some of our uh, events or, or virtual, virtual yeah. events, I'm, ha I'm happy to, to work that out for you. And also, uh, if you would like to take, if you'd like to have the link to that Stats Can survey that we're, uh, we're doing with, uh, with them. Sure, then, I can put that there. In the, that in the, would be great. It's just through, ca because of Castle, we can't reach out to you, so. Yeah, we, uh, we, we can, we, we will take any information and share it out to our members. We're trying to make sure that, you know, they've got access to various resources and, and post a lot of this on our, uh, excuse me, on our website, but we also make it a point of trying to uh, reach out, uh, make them aware of these type of things are available. Great. Super. Suzanne, one quick question. This is, uh, this event has fundamentally altered how business is conducted now. I know the last four or five years I've been working in the local Durham region to try to get um, broadband and fiber optics put throughout. And there's been a number of hurdles, uh, not only in addition of funding, but regulations. So in light of the uh, next 18 months where telecommunications and broadband is going to be crucial, um, is there an incentive or is the government going to start funding either venture capitalists or telecom companies, small um, and medium size and dare I say large um, to get true fiber optics throughout um, the broader community, not just the big five centers. Like, is it going to have broadband throughout Durham region? Are we going to have broadband through around Kingston? Are we going to have broadband around the major centers throughout rural Ontario? Like that's been failing for the last six years. And all we have is lip service right now from the government and it's failing us now in it's spades. Been, yeah. Well, I, I used to work for, for Bell, and it's been failing for a lot longer than that. So mm -hmm. um, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, the government does have its uh, broadband rollout strategy. I would hope, and again, this is one of the areas that uh, that we're highlighting with the uh, with the federal government is that uh, one of the um, recovery strategies has to be more investment in um, in broadband, so that and that's everywhere uh, so that uh, you know we, we've demonstrated uh, now that uh, uh, you know that re remote working can work uh, pardon me for using the same word twice in one sentence um, and that um, there's going to be a lot of businesses I think that and particularly I mean I think of our own working environment uh, in our Ottawa office uh, 
once things start to relax a little bit, you're not going to have, you know, all 35 people come back to work at once. You're going to be, I would imagine you're going to have staggered where, you know, certain people will come in some days a week and certain people will come in others. You're still going to have a need for a lot of remote working. And some companies will never go back to having a physically, uh, you know, bricks and mortar office. So uh, I, I think absolutely this, this is proof positive that uh, if we need to make an investment in our future economy, um, this type of thing has to happen. And, it, and there really has to be some meaning behind it because as you say, it's uh, not been great. Was that, is that coming up in terms of the discussions now being raised at the PMO to saying what's the money going in, not short-term firefighting, but either opening up funding for uh, small communities to start, you know, laying fiber, paying uh, fiber and cable pulling companies to pay them to start lighting them up? Is there going to be investments into virtu uh, venture capitalists to start funding yeah. more and more of these e-commerce companies? Like all I see is like, okay, we're going to pay all the workers and now yeah. they're quitting. Yeah. So yeah. there's nothing to really invest in the future. So this type of discussion um, is not happening at PMO. I can tell you that. Uh, as, I as I mentioned earlier, they're still very much in, you know, the house is on fire and we're still putting out the, you know, we may have put out the blaze, but we're still putting out the, uh, the, uh, the flash, the flash up. Um, this is the type of discussion that needs to, that needs to happen with uh, people like, uh, uh, you know, infrastructure minister uh, McKenna and uh, Navdeep Bain the Minister of um, Innovation, Science and Industry, they're the people that are, are going to be feeding up through to uh, you know, the Deputy Prime Minister, Christian Freeland on this. So, you know, when you think of infrastructure, you're thinking of shovel ready projects, you know, it's, it's more than, uh, not that sewers and water aren't important, uh, roads aren't important, but this is really important because I think we've demonstrated now just how badly the economy needs to have a robust broadband system. So the answer, short answer to your question is no, these discussions aren't happening. Are they starting to happen? Yes. Uh, does more need to happen? Absolutely. Okay. Annie, you had a question? Uh, yeah, I did. You know, um, so, I, the, you know, we've got this wage subsidy coming and it's, uh, it's a big help for employers to keep uh, employees. But I know that there's a lot of workers that are actually contract workers that sort of just fall through the cracks here. Um, I, I've seen numbers as high as 20% of the workforce, 10 to 20% of the workforce might be employed in a contract way and employers don't really get a wage subsidy uh, to keep those sorts of workers. Uh, that definitely impacts me and, and I know it probably impacts a lot of young people um, who are often hired in that fashion before they become full-time employees. I don't know if there's any discussions around that uh, segment of the workforce. Um, you know, uh, quite quite often they work just like employees in the organization. Some of them are, are there a long time, uh, but they don't get any of these protections. Uh, do you know anything about that? Well, um, the um, it, you know, and it's I think so. That yes, discussions have been happening, and I think this is where the government sees the CERB as being of assistance. But um, as you know, as of earlier this week. Uh, you can only earn $1,000 a month and still collect the CERB. So your total income would be uh, $3,000 a month. Um, I think that's where the government sees, uh, and, and also for entrepreneurs that uh, you know, are absolutely you know, desperate for, uh, for ha to have some kind of money coming in the door, the CERB is, uh, is basically there for anybody 
that right, the catch residency. So yeah, exactly. Except now that you can you can now have that one thousand uh, dollars per month. But that that's that's been our frustration because there's been this very traditional definition of company, business, employee. We're running into this with the uh, the emergency bank account, uh, business account. Sorry, where you've got. I mean, a lot of our members uh, are entrepreneurs. They pay themselves um, through the T five the, uh, the dividend process. As of now, they're not eligible, which is insane. Um, we've also and, and so that's you know they've locked themselves into this sort of T four definition of a uh, of mm -hmm. an employee. We had a situation land on us yesterday afternoon from British Columbia where a company hot 100% of its workforce is First Nations. Guess what? They have no T4 reportable income because they don't pay federal taxes. That company has a payroll of uh, $150,000, $200,000 a year. They can't get the, um, uh, the, the, the $40,000 loan. So it, it, you know, again, it's this constant, you know, having to, to re, retool their programs because they've got this very bureaucratic, very, um, single-minded view of what a business is and they don't take into account the various structures that small businesses can take and the various financial arrangements under which they're created. So yeah. for your case, I would, you know, I would, I don't know, I would suggest your, uh, uh, you know, your, your contractors look at the CERB um, and whether they work for you and, or not, you know, that uh, that's between you and them. I wouldn't counsel anybody to, uh, you know, to do something that maybe they shouldn't be doing, but uh, as as far as I can see right now, that's the only um, the only avenue that they would have to ha keep some income coming in at this point. Yeah. 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 Here's the interesting twist to that. I have a tell talking to John about this. Um, I have an associate that I use in some of our projects, and sixty percent of well, sixty of his people, not sixty percent, are under contract, and he's been audited. So now he has to pay CPP and EI as if because he's their only source of income. So yeah. they treat him as a full-time uh, FTE. Yeah. But now with this whole uh, issue we're having, he can't help them because they're not being recognized as a full-time, they're being recognized as a contractor and they're yeah. falling, they really have fallen through the cracks. Yeah. They can get to that because his revenue stopped because nobody's you know, doing major implementations. And so, um, challenge with him is like many of our businesses, we pay ourselves out of revenue at the end of the month and usually in the form of dividends and they're not yep. taxable income either. It's a different, it's a different yep. stream there too. So nobody's getting really any money. And uh, he point blank said, if this lasts for another four or five months, he's closing shop. Yeah. Now you yep. got 60 people out there that are going to have to scramble to find work. So yep. there's, there's a lot of good stories, but there's some issues that I still think need to be looked at. Absolutely. I mean, the government will say that, uh, and, and the, the Crown Corps are reporting that um, um, about 80% of uh, those businesses that have applied for the um, Canada Emergency Business Account are being accepted. Uh, but you have cases, uh, you know, like with any mass program, there's going to be yeah. you know issues and and so we've had issues where financial institutions primarily credit unions have said we're not interested in offering this program and so what does it what <laughs> what does the business do so now we're you know we're asking the government to uh allow businesses to apply to uh the banks as a as a business customers expressly for the purpose of getting of you know getting this this loan and, uh, and, and when they push back and we say, but hold on a second, 
these loans are being underwritten by the taxpayer of Canada. So it's not the bank shareholders that are, uh, are uh, you know, putting their money up against this. This is the taxpayer. So you know what? Let them do it. Because, uh, you know, you, you've, you've got to be as, as easy as you possibly can on uh, eligibility criteria for something that is being publicly funded. Suzanne, I was to CFIB last uh, Friday and uh, the person I was speaking to there, she's you know, a regional person, I guess, here. And uh, just this is a broadcast to everybody. If you are applying for these, uh, for whatever comes your way that you may uh, apply for, be applicable um, to access, even if you get um, an answer, even if you get turned down, contest it because yep. what basically was told to me is you go into this, this stream of acceptance and if you fall outside those criteria, you get rejected. If you contest it, then you go to a, a human and they, they will actually take a look at the individual cases, case by case scenario, and you make it accepted. So yep. just keep that in mind. If you really want to aggressively go after it, you can contest the decision and you may get it in your favor. Sorry, can I, uh, Suzanne, can I make one comment just on the, uh, the SIBA? And I guess, I mean, I trust everybody is aware. Uh, went through the process of trying to apply uh, for the association and uh, made it a point of reading thoroughly all the terms and conditions. And I don't know if people are aware, but when, when you uh, look at that $40,000 re, uh, revolving line of credit, when you accept that, uh, it's, it indicates that you are, you as the individual applying are personally liable uh, for the, uh, for that dollar amount. And the bank, uh, I deal with the Royal Bank, uh, and it states in there that they can go into your personal account and take money out. And I just, I was kind of shocked when I read it. Uh, and the fact that you're personally liable uh, for any monies is a little bit uh, disconcerning. And the fact that it states clearly in the T's and C's that they have access to your personal bank account to take money out at any time is also very disconcerting. So I don't know if people are aware of that, but if they're not, they certainly should be because it is, I say, a little unsettling. Uh, I phoned yesterday to talk to our bank representative and he was rather evasive, just simply saying, uh, okay, well, I'll have to look into this but it's very clearly spelled out in the terms and conditions that you are personally liable. So that's a concern. Okay, and that's a very important thing to know. I sit on a daily call with an ADM at um, Industry Science and, uh, and uh, Innovation, or the reverse anyways, um, I call them ISI, and uh, I'll raise that on the, on the call this morning as a quick, because uh, as you know, we thought it was a big breakthrough to have not-for-profits eligible for this funding. Right. Being one ourselves. And uh, but if the person applying for it in the name of a not for profit association is personally liable, that's a big, big roadblock. Yeah, it's just, I mean, and as, as I say, not to belabor this point, but yeah. it's specifically clause number seven that says liability of debt. This says applicant will be jointly and uh, severally liable to us for all debt. <laughs> so be careful. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. Thank you. Um, we have a question uh, from Nima about uh, RFPs. Nima, do you want to jump in and ask a question? Sure. Um, my question was specifically about RFPs. So I was asking, are there specific RFPs that the, get, that the federal government is putting out to garner expertise in the field of moving forward with technology during a crisis? And my asking is, um, you know, the federal government you mentioned could use some support 
And, you know, just to give a bit of background, I work in the field of agile ways of working. And what we found more often than not is that technology people are very smart and given the right tools or given the space to be able to work in short, let's call them iterations, um, helps to get feedback early and to do projects in a way that normal, you know, large businesses haven't ever worked before. Um, so I'm wondering if specific requests are going to go out in the form of RFPs or otherwise to request support in the way that technology works. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, and uh, you know, they could use some help, as we all know, through Phoenix. I, mean, I think everybody was afraid that <clears throat> the CERB uh, process would be another Phoenix, but it mm. wasn't. Uh, so um, could I ask you to send me an email and uh, I will flag it with my um, my contacts at public services and procurement um, yeah and uh, just maybe connect you directly with somebody there who can uh, talk to you a little bit more about what the planning is around that um, but yeah it's a really good point I know we're uh, moving closer to 9.30 here, Megan, so yeah. we know we have a hard out. Just want to say that uh, I know a few people that have taken advantage of some of these projects, so we know our programs. So although we're, uh, we have a few uh, concerns, generally we're doing much better here than they are south of the border, and I know a lot of people south of the border. Um, and they've already closed shop uh, a number of businesses because they're not getting the support. So. Also, please pass along whoever you're talking to that we do recognize their efforts and, and the hard work they're doing and the benefits. That, you know, we do appreciate it um, as uh, personally as well as an association because we're going to be in this uh, for the long haul and probably not uh, not the only time. So is there anything you want to finish off with, Megan, before you and Susanna, before you um, jump on? Well, I will say I, I understand uh, that there's probably a lot of questions we did not get answered today. So maybe what we could do is... Um, uh, maybe uh, someone could uh, compile all the, uh, the questions uh, into one email and send me an email with a comprehensive uh, sort of list of any outstanding questions that I can then, uh, I can then address either, either myself or, or with Suzanne or find the, you know, the policy director that would have that knowledge to, to offer, et cetera. Because I'm certainly happy to, um, to, to extend the conversation afterwards. And then also, as I said, I, said, I put my email there if anybody wants any further information or to stay in touch or, or, or wants to be invited to the, any of the events, happy to do so. I really want to thank you guys uh, also for inviting us today. I, that hour went by so fast, <laughs> so fast. Um, but uh, no, I really want to uh, thank you. We're, um, you know, uh, as I said, we take this mandate very seriously and we're very happy to be supporting businesses all across the country. And so uh, please don't hesitate whether you need anything at all uh, to, to call me or, or, or reach out. We're here to support you during this time. And, and that's our, our number one priority. Uh, Susanna, do you have anything else to add? No, not at all. Thanks again. And uh, we'd be happy to come back again if you thought it might be helpful. Yes. Oh, it was very helpful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for coming. Bye. Okay, Thank bye you. guys. Stay Thanks well, very everyone. Much. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, so, um, we can all come off mute, I guess, being that the main presentation's over. What are, uh, 
Anybody have any questions? I have a couple of questions for perhaps Jerry, Jerry, if you're still on. Yeah, you are, um, as well as anybody else. Uh, Barry, yeah, there's a couple of questions about summer student grants that are popping up in the, uh, the chat. Yeah. Uh, I think Aculin and I think Maureen, but I think Maureen had a question more directed towards uh, uh, Megan, but maybe she can, I'll send her the information. She can probably ask her directly <laughs> herself. Maureen, just, uh, you're, 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 sorry, if somebody's asking about the summer student program, uh, at TechConnect, we've been applying uh, for the last kind of three years. And yeah, the problem is there is a deadline, which is the end of February. And then you typically don't get an answer back as to whether they're going to accept you or not until sometime uh, in late May. Uh, and uh, this year, what they've done, and in, in, in the past, they paid, uh, I guess, 75%. Uh, they did announce they would pay 100%. Uh, as a not-for-profit, they will pay you up front for the student, which is good. If you're a not-for-profit, uh, not you, uh, uh, you have to submit your claim at the end of the student period. So just be aware of that. I have not heard or seen any information that says that the application date has been extended. Uh, the other thing to look at, and I'm not sure if... Uh, if Mark Lejeure, Mark, if you're still on, but uh, through the ICTC, there is a, uh, a program where you can get students. The uh, uh, Mark, maybe you could just mention something because I know at the last, on one of our last uh, uh, CEO peer groups, you talked a bit about that, but there is the WIL program you could maybe mention. Yeah, I'm, I'm still on, can you hear me? Yeah, you can hear yes. me? Yes, we can okay. hear yes. All right, so um, testing the mic. Uh, yes, so uh, we, we are talking to Employment Services Canada. ESDC has allowed some flexibility to the program. So there might be some news since uh, we last talked last time. Um, some flexibility like uh, having students working from home, start date, end date, a number of hours, uh, but also a fast track application process. You can speed up the, or the, the onboarding and uh, most importantly, we can also forward 75% of the, the funds uh, early on through the course of the, the program instead of waiting to be the, the back end and asking for the payroll and, and so you, you can get some money along the way, which is, uh, should be helpful for, for cash flow management. And, and there is another uh, thing, if you cannot um, hire the student yourself because it's too much work and you're busy somewhere else, um, now post-secondary institutions like colleges and universities can also be the employer. Uh, so you can go uh, deal, for example, with the college, the university, and they can do a little bit of the hand-holding, the learning, um, <clears throat> the learning assessment for the students and uh, and do the work through them so that that's another option and other options if you want to handle the the student yourself uh, ripen is a good option ripen is uh, r-i-i-p-e-n and uh, as a company you provide a challenge or some kind of work to be done to ripen and ripen provides a platform for the students to uh, to find a way around to get some tutoring and get the uh, get the work, so you don't have to worry too much into providing uh, guidance to the students. So these are additional options. Um, we're looking, we're talking to ESDC to get additional measures uh, on the ground. The, the main one everybody is looking at is the net new measure, 
because people have been uh, not been recruiting more, uh, rather letting letting people go. So there, there is a hurdle there that we are trying to get around. Um, so stay, stay tuned for more news. Vanny, you asked a question of what happened to TechConnect's effort to collect the list of companies that can yeah. make PPE. Uh, Kelly put all of that together. We were working with Venture Lab uh, and, and working, uh, uh, they were putting it all together. Uh, so they were to take that list and to make sure that that was all passed on. So we did uh, thoroughly document uh, all the various companies that uh, we had contact with with contact names, et cetera, and it was passed on, and that was to be passed on to the provincial government. So that's the last we heard. Uh, uh, did you have some concerns that people weren't being contacted after? Oh, well, I, I know that one of my clients, I, I hooked them up and put them on that list. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have PPE equipment capability, but they don't know who to sell to. So there's kind of a disconnect, you know. Yeah. Uh, people are sort of putting that together themselves right now. You know, if they have a customer that happens to need something, you know, they're, they're doing that, but it seems like it would really help if, if the government got involved in connecting some of these companies and, and the people who need them in a, in a bit more formal way. So I was hoping to get some feedback from that list um, about what the next steps are, or if someone's going to contact them. Okay, I'll ask, uh, I know Kelly was coordinating that, and I'm sort of surprised because they were really sort of in a strong sense of urgency, they wanted the list right away because they indicated it was going to be passed to the appropriate people in the government and the government was going to reach out immediately to those companies. So it's a little surprising to hear that there was a name submitted and they've had no contact, but I'll ask Kelly to maybe just follow up with the Venture Lab people who were coordinating it and, and who in the government was supposed to be responding. Okay. If you, uh, there's, a, there's a list, um, there's a list, uh, there is a website, a web page called Ontario Together on the uh, province uh, website. Okay. And, uh, you can apply there. Uh, they're looking, I think, I think if I remember, they have $50 million. They are ready to go. Uh, you just submit your, uh, your capabilities there and they will procure your services like PPE, e-learning resources and other things that might, uh, might be of, of use during COVID-19. You can, uh, you can contact uh, in this page. I, I can find a link for you. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, they also the big problem for companies is if you've never done work with PWS uh, Public Works in Ottawa as well as some of the uh, government, they are a quagmire. They are a, a rabble. Um, nice rabble if you get contracts, but they are a very, they, they take a long time to make decisions or even do something. But if they have something that is ready to market, uh, you can even go directly to like Lake Ridge Health, which oversees the hospitals in the whole Durham area, and they can fast track it for you. Um, mm. So reach out to them, they'll put pressure on, um, you know, instead of having to do the, the company themselves go through the traditional methods. So there are, are ways to fast track it. Mark and Stovall Hospital is another one, contacted the procurement officer there. Um, the person I know has left, but um, they can fast track the uh, procurement of uh, the PPEs for them. Yeah, it does seem to be more like, a, what do you call it, on the ground networking or just like we're talking now, you know, that's the kind of thing I've been trying to help my clients with too, just hooking up, you know, uh, my healthcare clients with other manufacturers who can do this, but it's very organic, you know, I'm kind of looking for some structure around it or to say, is there somebody who's at the government level who's hooking up people who need this stuff with 
people would very ad hoc over. right now very yeah. very ad hoc we but we're gonna have to deal with it so yeah any questions i got one i could ask jerry or anybody else who can ask it's more of a, a question we I touched on earlier about um the business loans are they considering payroll payroll or dividends considered payroll jerry um they right now they're still looking at as uh there's a term in there is there's on the crab side where if it's self-employment income so it could technically fall within dividends of self-employment income on the crb side the payroll loans and uh, they're pretty strict is they the code that they need is what's called on the p4 summary you send in every year's payroll uh above twenty thousand dollars right so if you have payroll above twenty thousand dollars um they will pretty well uh through the you know you apply through cra and then they check cross check against all the tax records uh mm -hmm. based on your business number then that'll immediately get approved and the money goes into your account i've seen clients get it as fast as eight days um which is pretty quick for the banks so um but on the flip side is they're either going to slot you into one or another so if you don't necessarily fall into the the um the loan program they will most likely the catch-all is the CRAB because they're defining any self-employment income um, on your T4, you know, on your T1 returns. But uh, you could maybe argue that um, it'd be tough, but they'll most likely slot you into more of the uh, CERB program as opposed to the loan program. Okay. But there's also an upper limit on that on that loan program. It's, is it 20,000 with an upper limit of a million on payroll? Uh, and low is 20, and I think the, the upper side is close to a million. I'd have to double check the numbers, but uh, most of the... Oh, they just announced today... 1.5. Yeah, they announced that it's up to 1.5 million uh, this morning. Before, it was 50,000 to, uh, to a million, and then this morning, they announced uh, 20,000 to 1.5 million. Yeah, and that's made a huge difference because it opens up a ton of opportunities of smaller, small, small companies. Um, that I think believe, like Megan mentioned to me one time, is they're they're trying to get the larger catch-all because they're realizing that their thresholds are not low enough, and so I think um, you'll continue to see funding in that program. Um, you might be able to, you know, not, unlike the U.S. where they're they're capping the amount of money there, this seems to be um, I hate to say it an, an unending supply right now of funds. So they're still they're still going through. They still got a lot there, and I would encourage everyone to apply. Yeah, they're paying us with our future tax right. dollars. Um, right, again, Jerry, are you talking about the uh, emergency bank uh, or rather business account? Um, yeah, there's two. There's one at the um, that the loan comes through, like the forty thousand dollars, and um, that is where you'd have to go through the banks and just set up an account. Uh, CRAB actually goes to your personal bank account. So they actually put that in directly. Yeah, I, I, again, I'm just gonna mention, and not to belabor the point, but on that CBA, which is the Canadian Emergency Business Account, uh, read the T's and C's closely, because as I say, when I mentioned about my application for TechConnect, it's not just not-for-profits that are, that are going to have to be personally liable, it's anybody so if you, on behalf of your company, submit uh, for the application for that $40,000 line, you personally, whether you're a limited company or not, you personally are liable for all debt 
and and they indicate very clearly that they can go into your bank account and take the money. So I'm just emphasizing, you know, if you're not concerned about that, fine. If you are, uh, read the T's and C's closely because that's what you're agreeing to. Okay. Tally. So, uh, John, John, yeah. so one, um, one uh, way to also think about it is that it is a $10,000 grant as long as it's uh, paid back um, at the end. So um, you could take advantage of it by taking the $40,000, uh, putting 30 in a bank account, and uh, then in a year and a half, you pay them back uh, the 30. But that, that still doesn't answer really your overall question. It's just a bit of a workaround. No, that's a good point. Yeah, that's valid. Allie, you had a question? Tally, I think you, did you have a question regarding contracts, it says? Yeah, yeah. So is there any solution for businesses that employ um, only on contract base? Anybody familiar with um, businesses that are strictly contract? Uh, it doesn't look like it. I mean, uh, just from what they're saying, it, it looks like the uh, they have to go down to the individual level and just apply for CERB. Um, and, and it doesn't look like there's anything as a business that you can do for them. I, I haven't found anything anyway. And it didn't sound like uh, our guests today had any uh, different uh, no. feedback about that. Challenge that a buddy of mine's having is he hires a lot of, even his um, office staff, they're, some of them, most of them are retired or they just want, you know, part-time gig to fill something, uh, you know, make some cash. And uh, they're taking the two grand because they're only really, you know, working, probably making two grand, $2,500 a month working. And uh, now they've applied and they've told them they're going to do that for four months, but his business is still functioning. So he's lost three of his people out of his office uh, because of this $2,000. So, and he needs to run his business, so he's got to fire, find somebody. So the only option that uh, seems to be available to contract tally that I've seen is that $2,000. And, you know, and oftentimes that's not enough, obviously it's something, but it's not enough. Um, the challenge is that's great for the person. And I'm going to put the business owner hat on now. It does nothing for the business other than keep your people floating somewhat. But yeah, and more often than not, they're me. still underwater. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't leave me in a great position with customers who are hiring us on contract. I can't say to them, hey, you can apply for XXX subsidy and, and keep my employees, keep me uh, on contract. You know, uh, they, They're in the difficult position of deciding if they're going to pay the entire contract out of their own pocket while they're, they themselves are struggling, right? So right. Um, it's not a great situation for sure. Hey, I actually, oh, yeah, sorry, 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 just a side note, because I met with one of my clients online, obviously, this week, and we spoke about um, uh, the 40,000 40, grant, and he mentioned that they try to apply, but it's only for businesses that are not able to pay the employee salary. Is it true? Because they still paying the employee full-time people the salary, and he's saying they try it, and it's only for those that can't pay. 
No, to my knowledge, uh, I think the criteria are just that you have to have had T4 uh, pay last year between 50,000 and 1.5 million. I think that's really the major criteria. Yeah, the, just one minor correction. It's uh, it's been reduced down to twenty thousand. So if you take your uh, T four box one fourteen for your company, and if it if it has what you paid out last year from twenty thousand to one point five million, it is applicable. The, the the process is pretty simple to go through, uh, and then but then you do have to wait to see if you are approved. But my understanding, uh, it is not restrictive uh, to the fact of companies only that aren't able to pay their payroll. Uh, it's there as a revolving line of credit to help your business for payroll, for paying insurance, for paying rent. Uh, that's, that's how they describe it. Now, uh, as I say, in fairness, uh, I went through the complete process. I got a hold of my bank and you have to get a, an initiation code. You have to get a passcode to get in. So the best thing is just to get a hold of whoever your bank representative is and they'll send you that information which makes it a heck of a lot easier uh to 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 to, to uh go through but the application is very simplistic and then once you hit submit then they will get back to you uh, i chose not to hit the submit button until i had clarification from uh, the gentleman i'm dealing with at the bank around this uh liability issue and he said he'd get back to me but i suspect there's no change uh, so, and for 75% subsidy for uh, the payroll is the same, uh, basically, requirements. You, it's not necessarily that you can't pay the, your employees. Is it applied for everyone? Well, the, 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 uh, the other you're talking is totally different, which is the uh, uh, Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. Mm -hmm. And you have to go into either there'll be a special portal or you go into the My Business account. I don't know if you have that through the CRA right now. If you don't, I encourage you to register for that. Again, it's a, it's a process you have to go through to register on the My Business account. Uh, when you do register, uh, you do have to uh, either go through uh, a bank uh, contact or go through a process. But if you do want to register through my business uh, and the CRA, make sure you have your personal income tax uh, available beside you because uh, to go through the process, they start asking questions about box number 350, what amounts in there. So it identifies that it's you as an individual. Now, once you set up my business account, there will be a portal uh, for this uh, uh, program, which is the Canadian uh, Emergency Wage Subsidy, which will allow payment of up to 75% to a maximum of $847 per employee, which is the equivalent of about $58,700. Uh, and then what they're hoping is that you will top up the other 75%, but you don't have to guarantee that. And you do have to go through the process. Now, as was mentioned by Susanna, that portal is not going to open up until April the 27th was the date that she gave. I was in yesterday into the uh, <clears throat> my business account and there's nothing in there in terms of a portal to apply, but she stated on the 27th it should open up and in which case you can start to apply for the uh, Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. But that's sort of my understanding at this point. And apparently else. there's also, uh, we sp I've been on the phone with CRA twice. Um, so what I'm about to say, I'm going to hedge my comment by saying we got two different answers from people in the same department. So um, it's been about an hour and a half on the second phone call. Um, regarding that, um, that particular point, 
Um, it also applies to people that you've hired that haven't even yet started, but you have a commitment to them to hire them. Huh. So you can apply for sub that subsidy as well. They don't have to, that, so that $5,000 minimum they've had to, uh, income they've had to receive over the previous 90 days or whatever it is, that's done away with. So even if it's for people that, uh, that you've offered jobs to that haven't started working for you, you can still apply for that. Um, that was just one point, John, on, 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 on that scenario. The, um, I forget my other point, but I'll come back to it. Is there any comments or any questions anybody else has? Yep, yeah, I have one. Sorry. Go ahead, Maureen. No, no. I don't. Um, Barry, that's a, 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 an excellent point. Does that mean that if I say, and, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, I, we, we read through the list, and I think we've covered a lot of different things uh, around the conversation, but coming back to that summer student piece, uh, forget whether they're some students or not, they're a new hire. And if I say I'm going to hire somebody new right now, I can still, uh, I, again, I'm not putting you to your feet to the fire here, but okay. do you think you can, you can uh, get the 75% on anybody I hire going forward or have I already had them in the hiring funnel? Well, yeah, the, the thing about both, well, all the programs as the CRE said, there's really no balance sheet test to this. So, you know, if a company is flush in cash, and to Tally's point, a company is flush in cash and they can keep playing, paying their employees, but basically if they hadn't paid those, that would have turned into retained earnings for the owners. Then you're really just zapping the business's cash abilities to stay liquid in the long term. So that's not helping anybody either because they're going to go bankrupt and employees can be paid. Yeah, but that's not going to solve the economy over the next two, three years. So there is a as of date right now, that may change, but there is no balance sheet test on the personal or on the business side. So whether a company can pay their employees or not is not really the point. It's whether they have the required revenue to come in. So you always have to match your inflows with your outflows. So it's still going back to the, you know, your accounting principles of, are you a viable company? If you cease to exist today and that cash wasn't there, could you continue through revenue, pay your employees? If the answer is no then you do not as a company have to use cash to pay your employees. It's a very admirable thing to do and a lot of companies are doing it, but a lot of companies are going to go bankrupt because of that. So the same, so that answer is the same answer we were, we received with regards to new hires. My daughter just graduated with her PhD and she had a job offer in the States and it's gone because, and it was with the West Virginia and she was going to be director of mental health for West Virginia state. And it's gone because they have, it's not because the money's not there. They just have no idea what the hell's going on. So in Canada, she would be able to get that. We asked that very question in Canada, she'd be able to get that stipend because she had a job offer. So that's where it started with us. So that's why I say you have to be careful. The first time we asked that question, we were told no. So we decided to revisit it and ask it again. And that person was more senior and they said, yes, that would be where you can test it and you would be taken offline and your case would be looked at individually. And you would probably, she would probably receive that stipend. So you have to be, you know, again, don't hold my feet to the fire because I'm going to lie and say I never said that. And I don't care how many people are on, but <laughs> we have to, you know, you have to play, you have to play the game. Maureen, you had a question. I don't know if it was a question. It was more of an observation. Um, so okay. I, Ryan had said that I, um, I did type a question out for Susan or Megan, and, and really what it what it was. Uh, was, you know, 
Susanna seemed quite critical of what the government's doing from a business perspective. And there's been a lot of great questions raised by the group. And my question to them is, what is the best channel for this voice to be heard? Um, it's very alarming to me that the comments came that people are taking this serve rather than work. You know, and, I, and, and the programs were directed at individuals have facilitated that, I guess. And, you know, I'm a firm believer. I think it's a well-proven fact. Work is an important part of everybody's health, uh, but it's also what's going to drive the economy. So I feel like listening today, it's like, okay, how do we get this heard? How do we get you know, it's better that all of us come up with projects, even if they're subsidized by the government, that we could employ somebody, a student, someone else, a contractor. How does this go forward? So I don't know what their answer will be, but what I heard from Susanna today was the government is not, has not been good at listening and thinking about the business issue. What I didn't hear was, but that's being corrected because so-and-so, you know, certain ministers are involved or there's a channel now or, you know, they're listening to what we have to say or our members have to say is kind of disappointing. I feel like every one of you is out there trying to get into a program, trying to apply, finding out information. You know, how do we how do we get to the point where there's there's a place where that information flows quickly, and um, and you know it isn't hearsay about what you can or can't get because that's what it feels like generally. Talking to clients as well and trying to help educate my client base. Um, it, you know, Vanny's trying to do the same thing. It's just, it's really challenging um, to hear everybody kind of go, well, I heard this, or I, I don't know, or it doesn't apply to me. It's like, oh my God. I don't know. It's, it's sort of uh, kind of jolted me because I thought Susanna might have more of a commentary around what's being, how that message is getting to the government, what they're doing about it. Didn't hear that. Just uh, a quick comment. Uh, I mean, I, you're, kind of answer your question to a degree it's it's, it's any body that really uh, or any organization that's a very strong advocacy group and certainly the Canadian Chamber of Commerce when you look at it I mean it's over 200,000 members it's uh, 450 uh, chambers of commerce across country so they are a strong lobby group uh, obviously organizations like ICTC I think organizations like ITAC are strong lobby groups uh, so it, it's just, uh, you know, can you get your comments through some of these lobby groups? That's the question. Um, I don't uh, mean to be disrespectful. I think, you know, TechNet as an organization is not an advocacy group. Uh, we, we, we try to interface into a lot of these organizations to uh, express some of the concerns of our members, but that's not one of our uh, mandates to be an advocacy group, but it is a, you know, as I keep talking, a collaborative support community where hopefully we can share what we hear. And yeah, I mean, a lot of these programs out here uh, are extremely confusing. Uh, they are. And I, uh, I've been trying to work through all of them to help tech connect. Uh, and it's, it's, it is confusing. And as you get down, then you start to realize more and more of the details, but even that, they keep changing. It's it's like the uh, Canada Emergency Business Account that just changed this morning. Uh, it, it's like the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. And I suspect by the time there's a portal on the 27th, there may be some changes. So it's trying to keep updated. And I would hope and trust through some of the sessions that we uh, CEO proofs, et cetera, that we at least can try to provide you what we think is the latest uh, bit of news. 
Um, yeah, very quickly, um, I just uh, we're getting up to ten o'clock here. Um, if you're interested for the next session, I have a call after this one with CFIB, which is Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses, which is what the association that um, um, Susanna mentioned. I'm probably going to be joining them because of the services they offer, and um, they are much more in line with, uh, I think, the independent business, the small businesses, uh, based on the conversations I've had with them and the services they offer. Um, we could probably do the same thing with CFIB, Maureen, and they seem to have a much more, this is the second time we've talked to, Suze, uh, to Megan about it. Um, CFIB seems to have a much more grassroots um, role on the execution side because they are a strong lobby group in Ottawa and they are in there with the DGs all the time and uh, the PMO and they have direct access directly into the PMO. Um, so if you're interested and want to do it again in the next session, a couple of weeks, we can have the CFIB on. Lord knows that this won't be gone. This won't have gone away in two weeks. So uh, let Ryan know if you're interested in that. And I've already talked to uh, my contact there, and she's more than willing to come on and tell us what the CFIB is seeing and you know the programs they're working with the government on. Yeah, that's great. Um, I definitely have a few clients who have taken up the opportunity to leverage CFIB. Now it's it's open, free member. Yep essentially and i have a feeling that cfib will gain a lot of companies from it but they seem to feel that the webinars etc that cfib are running are very very practical very pertinent so um, okay. i think that would be a great idea because i just think these are real grassroots issues right and um we can broadcast these types of ceo groups or other ones we've done to make sure that we've got enough employers on the line that any group like that is getting an opportunity to also hear um, the concerns. Okay. One, one uh, sorry, Barry, trying. Uh, one thing I was, uh, I spoke to Richard Cunningham yesterday of the Markham Board of Trade, and I know uh, to Maureen's point, trying to get uh, talk to government, he's actually going to be hosting a live webinar with Mary Ng uh, in the next couple of weeks. So once I get that information from him, I will get that out to everybody. Um, it's, it's, it's a one-on-one. -on -one. There's no, there's nobody going to be anybody else in that call. It's just going to be Richard and her, and she's going to be taking questions. I, I do believe. So once I get that information, I will send it out to everybody, um, with that. And I think Prasad had a question or a comment. Prasad. Yeah, thanks. Uh, um, Maureen, it's interesting. I, I think in the world that we're living in right now, you're not going to get uh, you know, any one source that's going to be, uh, you know, definitive, uh, even from uh, uh, the federal government as a whole. I think these kinds of conversations where we have an opportunity to say, hey, I did this and I did that and I did that and, you know, whether that, how that can apply uh, to each of our specific situations uh, is the only way we're going to move forward. Uh, and, uh, uh, <clears throat> and that being said, there's an actual uh, uh, webinar this afternoon at 12.15 set up by Venture Lab. Uh, it's, uh, it's focused only on Venture Lab uh, uh, organizations and uh, their uh, uh, extended group of uh, businesses that they're working with. Uh, but it's with Mary Ying uh, this afternoon at 12.15. It's only a 15 minute uh, presentation by Mary Ying. I don't even think it's a webinar as much as it's just a conversation that Mary Ying is having. But there is a Q&A session for another half hour with EDC and BDC. And I'm really interested in, in the Q&A session more than the uh, presentation by Mary Ying, uh, 
because I think there's a lot of things that are going on that a an organization like BDC in uh, you know between the you know 15 people left in this room um, I've been unhappy with the the success or lack thereof in the way BDC has been uh, 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 working in the last four to five weeks uh, and, and I made a few comments uh, to different people about that and I'm really interested to see what they have to say and the reason I'm bringing this up is that you know whatever I learn I'm going to then you know rebroadcast to this organization as a whole uh, and I think you know uh, like uh, Barry said uh, maybe valuable to do these every two weeks or even sooner only because it gives us that uh, the ability to learn from different people and uh, uh, and all the, di the different uh, webinars and conversations that we're having with the organizations as a whole. Yeah, can I can I suggest then, uh, Barry? Uh, you know, perhaps we do our next CEO peer group on uh, what is it May May first would be the Friday, and uh, you mentioned you could see if we can have a representative from CFIB. Uh, I know originally we had sort of wanted this to be more of a total open dialogue discussion, and then Jerry was able to get the people from the Canadian Chamber of Commerce at least to give you more of a national perspective. But if everybody's okay, let's look at May 1st, uh, Ryan, who does all the coordination on this, and Barry, if you can let us know about CFIB. And then from there, it's let's get back into, because Prasad had originally uh, recommended that we put this together, <clears throat> as opposed to waiting to May 1st to have more of an open dialogue. So if we can kind of look at that session of being a combination of what CFIB has to say, and then more and more open dialogue of people just chatting about what they're discovering and some of the either challenges or successes that they're having in dealing with this. So if everybody's okay with that, uh, Barry, if we can facilitate that type of session. Yeah, I think we all, I think we all have more questions than we do answers. Um, we all be probably looking at others, each other boxes, hoping somebody's heard something. But again, it gets back to Maureen's point. It's all right now more rumors than facts. So if we can get somebody in here that can talk facts, I think that'd help, be help, much more helpful. So all right. do that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, Ryan, anything you want to add at the end? Uh, yeah, obviously, thanks, uh, everybody, for uh, joining us this morning. Uh, a couple of things for next week. Uh, April 21st, uh, we have our uh, CIO peer group, and it's with uh, Anthony Iannucci. Uh, this will be a good one, uh, talking about uh, what CIOs are doing right now, uh, right across the board, to uh, deal with uh, COVID-19 and how they've implemented their workforce and uh, some of the challenges other CIOs are facing, uh, in particular some of the stuff with the, the TTC and public transit, how are they going about, um, you know, working with the public, working with government and stuff that they're implementing. And then uh, April 22nd, uh, we have our Lunch and Learn, Navigating Your Business um, and, uh, you know, going forward. And we will be having uh, three people come in. Uh, Dominic Connick from Webs Depot is going to be talking about some uh, cybersecurity stuff. Uh, Frank Bolota uh, from SBLR is going to uh, continue to talk about uh, government economic relief, and um, our good friend Peter McCabe of ProLink is going to be, uh, you know, taking your questions about uh, balance sheets against uh, bad debt employee practice liability um, as well. So we got two good sessions uh, next week, um, and yeah, from there, thank you everybody for jumping on uh, this. Is a live recording, so this will be eventually uh, put on the website uh, today. So um, if there's something you missed or you want to get back to, please listen to that. With that, thank you, everybody. Have a Thanks. great weekend. Thanks, everybody. Let me see thank everybody. Have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye.
Thanks. Bye.